0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael, and I'm here with Andre. And on today's episode in Mark chapter 4, we discuss four parables and Jesus calming the storm. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: What's up, guys? This is Andre, and I'm actually really excited for today's episode because it is guaranteed that it will work on our first try. And how do I know that? We're using a better app this time. The Zoom is actually recording. So it's going to be great, and I'm pumped. (laughs) And, you know, Mike, I hope hope you're doing well too, but, you know, speaking of um, our technical difficulties from last time, I I remember that one of our first recordings that actually didn't make it on to the actual episode, we were talking a little bit about, you know, uh, like kind of what we had learned from studying Mark so far a little bit, uh, maybe like what was going on in our lives right now that um, potentially is application, and I remember we had talked about, um, we both had given answers, and you know, I kind of wanted to like go back to that a little bit just the season of life that I'm in now, uh, working and trying to make the most of that, and how sometimes it, uh, it can be difficult and frustrating, uh, when it feels like things are out of your control because of COVID or, you know, the state of the economy or how the stock market's doing or, um, coming election and it just feels a lot of times like we're out of control during this season but you know it's been really comforting for me to fall back on friends uh, such as you um, and others and you know even though I'm far away from my friends back at school or uh, back at home you know it's comforting to know that people are you know there and uh, you know parents or friends or whoever looking out for me and keeping me in their prayers and you know just that how powerful it is to have friends around who who care and and who are looking out for you and just how that reminds me so much about how um god also cares for me and is looking out for my best interest and i just need to be reminded to rely on him and not just rely on myself and and not be so frustrated but i just wanted to say that and it was something that didn't make it didn't make the the cut last time and, and wanted to bring it up to intro today's episode
0: we are having a little bit of technical difficulty on my end uh, however, I did catch a a, a bit of that. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I think when we were talking about that, and we actually ended up deleting that recording due to my, many more technical difficulties, it, uh, it it really just stuck out to me. Uh, just what you said, even though you're in a different place and doing something different between your internship versus school and how it's still lined up with where I'm at, which is all about like prayer and uh, friendships and stuff and uh, just uh, people people being there for you, not necessarily in terms of, of just checking in, but really doing life with you, uh, walking in uh, discipleship and uh, being a part of the local body and serving. That, that just really stands out to me. And uh, I'm really glad that God has pointed that, uh, the importance of the local church out to me, uh, given that this is my last year here in Norman, and uh, my church just does such a great job of discipleship in the local body. And uh, now today, actually, because technical difficulties are still in my mind, uh, today and tomorrow, at uh, for where we're recording this, our, our school is shut down here at OU due to um, an ice storm. And so a lot of people are locked inside or uh just staying inside even more than even more so than before due to lockdowns because of the ice and uh either way like when i sit in my room and i just look around at the books and uh, i i get to dive into mark and to record with andre tonight i'm just super thankful
1: yeah for sure man and you know it's been it's been really nice getting to work on a bunch of new stuff for for the podcast and you know it's given us opportunity to Talk every couple nights at the very least. It's been a good time, and you know it's kind of crazy that your online school is getting is getting canceled because of snow. I mean, it's honestly just crazy how, how that kind of stuff could even happen.
0: Well, so yeah, so like Andre is saying, they canceled Zoom classes after saying no in class in person classes due to ice, and we all thought that was a really lame excuse because why would they cancel Zoom classes? Because you can do that remotely, obviously. But then and their reasoning was due to p- potential power outages, but today uh, our power went out for 30 minutes, but pretty much everyone else I know, their houses, anyone who lives in a house in particular, their their power was out for at least a few hours, and I have friends that are driving back home tonight so that they can access power from where they are cuz their their heat is still out and their uh, power is still out. So uh it actually turned out that OU was right about all that.
1: Oh wow, that's that's kind of crazy. I didn't I didn't hear about that part, but I mean i guess they made the right call um that's it's kind of crazy i don't think it's it's ever snowed at uh georgia tech since i've been there i think freshman year we had a we had a snow scare and ended up being like 75 degrees that day people <laughs> were outside playing playing volleyball shirtless because <laughs> we had no school it's super... kind of crazy though but go ahead no no you go ahead
0: oh i was just gonna say it's super funny uh to talk to people like friends that we have in like in Michigan or in the northeast and uh, just send them a picture and it'll be like you know maybe an inch of snow and like a little bit of slushy ice on the road and we're all canceled school and everything and they're like you're you're shut down for that you don't have class for that that's our everyday, so it's crazy the geographical difference and the difference uh that that the weather has on attending school
1: oh yeah those those guys up up north, take take their uh, school a little more seriously. They go through <laughs> through, through anything, <laughs> but you know, um, moving into uh, Mark for today, we're going through chapter four. Um, I think we're both really excited about about the all the parables we're going to get to talk about, and and then at the end, uh, when Jesus calms the storm, we both have some some good points about that. But um, start off. Uh, thinking about like what what a parable is and you know the mystery behind it and why Jesus used parables i think it's important to talk a little bit about it um specifically you know um there were stories more attuned to the time and the people who were listening um they would have made sense of these stories despite some of them seeming a little a little <laughs> for sure not not super um in tune with what like we experience these days but Back then, these stories would have been super uh, relevant to the things that everyday people were going through or experiencing, uh, economically or in terms of how they, um, like, got their food or interacted with people or the animals that they saw or whatever the situation was. It would it was super in tune with what the, what their situation was and what they were going through, and um, it's very clear that these stories, at a base level, made sense to them. In the sense of like they they got, uh, the, you know, the gist of, of what was what was being said, despite maybe not understanding uh, the depths of of what Jesus was trying to understand to them, uh, explain to them on a more uh, deep and spiritual level. Uh, but, you know, do you have anything about parables uh, before we, we jump in to chapter four?
0: Yeah, just real quick, I love what you said about uh, how they use everyday imagery, especially because it's really weird for us, like a mustard seed. Like, come on, you couldn't have used anything that we can relate to, like social media. But again, for their time, it was uh, they would have understood everything. Uh, however, just because it was using everyday imagery doesn't mean understanding would be evident. You see all the time that even the disciples don't understand what's going on. So understanding is not evident right away. And uh, just to define a parable is a, a simple story that depicts a truth, and that's what, how Jesus uses them. And the most common subject of parables is God's kingdom, and that's what Jesus is here to proclaim. Remember from Mark chapter 1, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so it's actually interesting as we jump into the first parable of the sower, uh, and, and then we and then we look at in verse 10 how Jesus is going to explain the purpose of parables. In verse 10 he's, or in verse 11 he says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom. So we see here that parables, just like other things uh, that Jesus is teaching us, tell us that knowledge of God is given to us. So it's not something that we seek out or we obtain even if we do have books or podcasts or something. Knowledge of God is given to us by God through, Uh, Jesus by the power of his spirit so we can be thankful knowing that our knowledge of God and the kingdom is given to us and parables uh, often depict that do you want to jump into the first one
1: yeah for sure and um yeah let's jump into the first one maybe another point to bring up is and maybe this will be discussed a little bit more as as we go along but um you know the idea of you know why did Jesus use parables versus just you know flat out uh just telling people the gospel um i think it's that's like a very interesting uh question to to think about um but like you said diving into the first one uh we see again that there's a large crowd as we've seen in the past and we see that jesus is is talking to all these people gathered around them and and he begins to talk about the parable of the sower and um specifically um like many different um Past, which could happen, uh, in terms of, of the sower, um, and what all these potentially represent.
0: Yeah, for sure. So we, so I think that it, this is actually a really nice parable that that kicks off here first in Mark, uh, and this is pretty early in Mark. Whereas in Matthew, the parallel passage I think is chapter thirteen of Matthew, but in Mark, it's it's closer to the beginning. And it this, and in both Matthew and Mark, it's nice because for this parable, we're provided. Uh, Jesus explaining the parable. So he doesn't just talk about seed and then he's done. The disciples ask him a question and then he explains what each one is. So the first one is that uh, starting in verse, uh, well, we'll start in verse 3. So he's teaching by the sea and he says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And Jesus, he, said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear.
1: So Exactly, and... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and and, you know, so there's just... It's a it's a very simple um, idea of of seeds and diff- four different places where where they could land and, and what those results are. To people listening, um, this might to them just you know indicate um, you know I just I uh, that depending on where seeds fall there you'll have different results that makes sense. Uh, you obviously want your seeds to to uh, fall or be placed in a place with good soil uh, so they can produce grain and so you can then collect their grain eat it make money and the implication is you want to be the good seed um but looking at it on more of a level of of what jesus was trying to teach them what do you see here So I
0: see, I think, well, I think that it's easy to see based on the lens of reading verses 10 through 20, which obviously we're not going to just read straight through uh, on here, but it's worth reading to help us interpret because Jesus interprets it for us. I think it's clear, or my personal opinion is that Jesus is the one sowing the seed. Jesus is the sower or Jesus through us or through his people that's proclaiming the word, but the word is being proclaimed and who proclaims the word It's Jesus. So I see Jesus as the sower first. I think that that's the person who's doing the action first, who sows the word. And then there's four, these four groups of people. And so just looking from verses, I want to go back to verses 10 through 12, but real quick. So from verses 14 to 20, we get an explanation. The ones along the path, that's where Satan just takes the word away immediately. Uh, for the next ones on rocky ground, that's, who, that's the people who receive the word of Christ with joy. And then they endure for a little while, but tribulation basically crushes their faith. They fall away. The third one is that they hear the word, but their faith or their potential faith is choked out by the riches of the world and their desires for other things that don't uh, align with the gospel. And that the fourth one is the one who hears the word of Christ, receives it with joy, and endures and bears fruit. And uh, I think that it's possible, possible, that Paul in Galatians 5, when he says the fruit of the spirit, is referring back to this, your fruit is the fruit of the spirit. And, uh, your work for the kingdom of Christ. So what would you add to that?
1: No, that's, that's a really good connection. I didn't really think of that. Um, no, I mean, but that, that does make sense because, you know, it it taught it, there's a, there's a part where it talks about how in a certain situation, uh, it becomes unfruitful. So it makes sense to connect that to the the fruit of the spirit and, and being fruitful. Um, I think it's interesting, uh, to think of Jesus as the sower because, um, you know, depending on, on the different, the different person, you know, the God or Jesus's words, um, in this case, he's, he's teaching them, um, would be the same in each case. And it's, it's, he kind of offers them the gift of, of having faith. And then, but then it it comes down to the type of person and and where they are, um, with their faith and, and, you know, the, the hardness of their heart, um, to actually like accept that gift. And, um, you know, that's, and and you know either be fruitful or be unfruitful uh to fall into um you know what satan wants them to do or you know to choose to, to have faith and and understand uh you know the gift of of what jesus is trying to teach them i think it's really interesting to think of it um like you said of you know um in terms of the fruit of the spirit i thought that was a really good connection
0: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I think one other thing worth mentioning, though, is it does say that they bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So I don't think it's only referring to the fruit of the Spirit, because I would say that he's also talking about, like, potentially, like, the results of your labor for the gospel. So some people just end up with a more popular or larger or uh, more uh, beneficial for more people ministry. but that does And so theirs could be seen as a 100-fold fruit versus a 30-fold but the point is that either way, these people are bearing fruit. And uh, this is just, uh, Andre and I reference James 2 all the time, where uh, how we see how our, our works testify to the fact that we have true faith. Um, a Christian is, go- a true Christian who has faith is going to bear fruit. And so I think this kind of gets at the purpose of the parable from, chap- or from verses 10 and 11, when he talks about how there's a secret to the kingdom of God, and then he references Isaiah. Uh, six, because part of the reason for parables was to teach that there is a mystery to the kingdom of God. And that, that part of this was a veiling of the message. The message is hidden and only those who hear with faith are going to understand.
1: I think that also points to the fact that, you know, the hardness of heart uh, described here is, um, you know, it, it, it describes how it describes Satan, but it's also, you know, um, product of our sin that hardness of heart and then also you know the opportunity to you know humble ourselves and soften our hearts and to take god's word and to you know actually you know allow that to spread to other people and to bear fruit um is you know an opportunity that only comes through god's grace i think that's like an important distinction there to make um and how that all kind of plays out
0: yeah, I totally agree. I, I really like what you said about God's grace because I think that God is offering his grace through the person of Christ. The centrality to the, the central theme of all parables is God's kingdom through God's man, Jesus, God, the God man, Jesus Christ. And so uh, what's really interesting, though, is where you land on Jesus, how you hear Jesus, if you hear Jesus in faith or you don't, is going to put you on one side of the kingdom or on the other. And so uh, one of my favorite commentaries that I've been reading as we've been going through Mark is James Edwards' commentary. And he said, this is really interesting. He said, The parable of the sower is like the cloud that separated the fleeing Israelites from the pursuing Egyptians, bringing, quote from Exodus 14, darkness to the one side and light to the other that how you land your in your faith or in your mind on christ is going to put you on in his kingdom or it's not going to and that the parables are announcing god's grace through jesus but how you respond to jesus shows where you're at in in relationship to that
1: for sure and then a theme that we've kind of pointed out several times before i think and i think is evident here as well um in these parables is i think the idea that you know we might look to these people and think you know uh Jesus is talking directly to them like why don't they humble themselves and and you know soften their hearts and take the message and you know spread it to other people and um learn from Jesus but interestingly enough i think that this also applies to us um in that you know at times we will like read or listen to or see something or hear from someone who's wiser or at church or the Bible or um, a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever. And then, you know, not really take that to heart and not really um, use that um, to, you know, spread to others or to learn from for ourselves or, you know, whatever it may be much in the same way.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. And uh, it's just interesting to, to think about how you have to have faith to understand and, Uh, for there to be a harvest here, God's care is necessary. For us to have a harvest, uh, for us to hear God, God's care and his providence is necessary, and that's why Jesus is the sower. And it's interesting that in the Old Testament, such as as in Isaiah 9, the idea of harvest shows the kingdom coming, and that's what Jesus talks about. But in, uh, in light of where we're at on time, do you want to go ahead and move on through some of the rest of the parables?
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Let's do it. So, uh, then there's three shorter parables, so it should be quicker to get through them. Uh, hopefully, uh, pretty quickly, but, uh, starting with the first one, do you got any thoughts on this one? Uh, about the, a lamp under a basket?
0: Yeah, for sure. It's actually, uh, it's the one that when I felt like when I read it, it was the one that the meaning or when I had read it for the first time, I don't remember when that was in this chapter though, uh, was the one where the meaning, in the depth of it jumped off the page the least but it's interesting you think of like the famous psalm on how your word is a lamp unto my feet and god's light is used as a as a as an image in the old testament so a lamp or a light in the old testament often signifies god and his word and i think that in light of like what we hear in in the gospel of john that jesus is the light of the world we're supposed to see jesus as the lamp
1: for sure and um, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how it, it talks about if anyone has ears, let him hear. And it uses that like distinction of, of light, which, you know, I think we think of as a, a as a visual sensory thing, but then also talking about like hearing and paying attention and all that, which, you know, are completely different senses. I think, I thought that was just very interesting because, um, y- like, like you said, Jesus represented as, as the light, but then. Also, like it's talking about you know listen to what he has to say and pay attention to it and like absorb it, read it, etc. Um, I think that I think that was like very interesting and and I don't know it was very um, very interesting to think about how like the different senses kind of play together.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it is interesting how like the conclusion to the to the parable in verse twenty five is essentially saying like if you have. You're gonna get more. If you don't have, you're gonna get less. And so, like the more we're hearing in faith to connect to the previous parable, the more of the kingdom we're gonna get. And uh, but, however, what's noteworthy about the kingdom of God is that in verse twenty-two, it's mostly hidden. We don't we don't see it uh, as apparent as we might think that we see it. In fact, most people in the United States might even say, "Hey." the Republican or Democratic party kingdom is more apparent than God's kingdom to me. It's hidden, but it's manifest. And that's why the church is a signpost of God's, of God's kingdom. And so, uh, do you have anything on that before looking at the next parable?
1: No, I don't. I think that's a pretty good transition to the next parable of the, uh, the seed growing. Um, and you know, this one is also uh, pretty short, but, um, it, it starts off with, you know, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how, um, and you know, uh, it goes on to, um, kind of describe how, uh, you know, the work happens and then, um, eventually like it produces fruit and then, you know, the man goes and harvests it. And that kind of, to me, like, describes how you know we, we put in the work and, and we don't really know how it happens but it's because of you know God working through us and then we could see the fruits of that and that is you know us spreading his word to other people and kind of from the first parable you know seeing that fruit 30 fold 60 fold and hundred fold
0: yeah I totally agree but what's interesting though is that how the man's effort comes in verse 29 the the start of the work is in verse 27 and so the in terms of the process of growth the main way of growth is not human ability or capability to, pr- to produce something. It's it's that God is is doing the work with the parable. And actually, just as a side note, this parable is really interesting because it's not found anywhere else uh, in the Gospels. It's, it's exclusively uh, in, in Mark. And so uh, it's interesting just that um, a seed isn't very glorious. And we, we, you could say this about the mustard seed as well that's coming up. But it's not like he's talking about, you know, like riches in the temple or, uh, you know, today you have the, the kingdom is like a Tesla or something. It's a seed, which is small and it's not very glorious and, uh, neither is the cross.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really good. Uh, you know, pointing that to the cross and, um, thinking of, you know, the seed and, and everything that comes, that comes from it, uh, just as, you know, we see the cross and everything that, that comes of that in terms of, you know, our salvation and, um, you know everything that the gospel means uh, to uh, Christians and to you know all of us who like live for God's glory. And then moving on to the last parable here, uh, do you want to start this one off?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's really interesting because people just hear about seeds or they read the verses, and it's not exactly clear like if there's any context to it sometimes. And throughout our time in Mark, I've been trying to provide a little bit of context, I hope. But what is interesting is that, and let's read a couple of verses here. So he uh, from verses 30 to 32, it says, And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And so it's interesting how there's branches and how the birds are landing on the branches and how it's grown up. And so this is a good piece of imagery, actually, from Ezekiel, one of my favorite books in the, in the whole Bible, Ezekiel chapter 17. Uh, I'm just going to read a few verses and hopefully if you, you can hear the connection, and if not, I encourage you to spend a little bit of time reading the couple verses, but Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, and that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar and under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches birds of every sort will nest, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I will bring the low the high tree and make high the low tree, dry up the green tree and make dry the the uh make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord I have spoken and will do it. So he's saying, and the birds are representing uh all the nations, how all the nations are flooding to this tree, and it's showing that the in Ezekiel seventeen God is showing the restoration of his kingdom Uh, And so we see the birds as the nations, the inclusion of the Gentiles. We see all the nations flooding to Christ. We see all the nations included in this kingdom. And so this this idea of all the birds resting here is uh, imagery from Ezekiel 17. But sorry if that was a long uh, rabbit trail.
1: No, that was really good. And I don't have much more to add to what you just said, which is really great. But thinking to like this last part here, where it says that, Uh, Jesus did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. I'm kind of thinking back to the, you know, the idea that I brought up earlier about, you know, why Jesus uh, spoke mostly in parables and and the mystery of that, um, but explained it to his own disciples. Do you have, like, any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I guess I do. It's just that I think that when you just think about, like, if you're a Christian, and you Colossians one tells us you've been transferred from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. When you're in the domain of darkness, when we are, when we were children of wrath, as Ephesians two says, it's the teachings of Jesus. Don't make sense. The Bible doesn't make sense. The world thinks, why would he believe that? Why would he do this instead? Why would he, uh, uh, avoid sin, uh, in a, when it could just get him some material gain or something like that. And so I just think in terms of my own life, it's easy to see that the world's idea and understanding of Jesus is completely different from how the church perceives Jesus often. And so the, when you're one of Jesus' disciples, when you're seeking after him, when God has called you as a disciple, like Jesus called his apostles, then, then the mysteries of the kingdom become more evident. Uh, is that what you were going for?
1: No, yeah, that that's good. Yeah, that's good, Mike. And uh, I think, yeah, like kind of like how I was saying, it it points a little bit to the mystery of it. I just thought it was interesting how you know he he mo- he only spoke in parables, and um, I think your explanation was was definitely really good. I didn't I didn't really know the answer to that question. I, I kind of just wanted to you know bring it up and and see if you had any thoughts on it. I don't know if you have anything else on the parable of the mustard seed, or if you want to move on to the last part.
0: No, let's go. It's a completely, it's a big switch up from the parables, but kick us off.
1: Yeah, for sure. So this is, you know, the classic story of the disciples and Jesus being on a boat and then, you know, storm comes up, Jesus is asleep. Um, The disciples are, you know, clearly very afraid, wake Jesus up. And then Jesus says, you know, why did you have no faith? Then he proceeds to, you know, calm the, the storm, stop the wind, the rain, and, you know, just basically just calm the storm in its entirety and show the disciples that you know he is lord over all of that and they should have had faith that you know he would have taken care of them um through through the storm it's a really great story uh do you want to kick it off though
0: yeah let me ask you a quiz question putting you on the spot when's the only time in the gospels and this might be easy given the context but when's the only time in the gospels we hear of jesus
1: sleeping the only time in the gospels do you mean like as in this story
0: yeah it's the only time in the gospels we hear about jesus sleeping the only time like for instance mark 1 alludes to the fact that jesus got up early but the only time we see jesus sleeping i'm pretty sure is in a storm so the one time when everybody else is freaked out jesus is the one who is calm and i think that there is something to the contrast there uh but yeah so they they the disciples wanted to go to the other side and so they get in the boat with him and the storm arises, but he's the one that's asleep. So I, there's a contrast between the fact that everybody else is freaking out. Jesus is the one uh, that, that is asleep, but he can immediately wake up uh, to, to his people saying, hey, there's a storm, can you help us out? And he just rebukes the, rebukes the wind. And what's interesting is the word rebuke, uh, I've been learning in the Greek, is the same type of language he would have been using when he rebuked the evil spirits, when he rebuked the demons. So the uh, rebuking the winds and the waves is in the language of exorcism and it echoes God's power at creation. that God has power over the chaotic waters uh, that we saw that we see back in Genesis uh, chapter 1 verse 2. And so Jesus also has power over the chaos. and just as he rebukes the evil spirits, he rebukes the, uh, he rebukes the, the storm.
1: I actually saw um, someone, like, about this the story, specifically about the instance in, in Matthew 14 where um, Jesus, like, walks on, on the water and, and how, um, you know, through the storm and on all of that, um, specifically in that instance when, when Jesus calls on Peter to actually walk on the water and then, you know, he loses focus of Jesus and then begins to drown. It was interesting, I saw something about how... Um, a representation of how you know when we lose focus of jesus and, and his teachings and and um his calling for us then you know we begin to you know falter into the waters into the storm um in this instance it was talking about how you know this kind of represented judgment um such as like we see water represent judgment uh with Noah in the ark and, and other instances throughout the bible and how then you know jesus calms that and you know when we call to jesus when you know we see that things aren't going, going well, or, um, we lose like focus of, of, of his place in, in our lives. Then, you know, we call to him and then, you know, he calms the storm. He saves us from, uh, drowning. Um, and I thought it was a, you know, really, really great, um, depiction of Jesus's place and his relationship with us. Um, his, uh, role as, um, you know, you know, as, you know, the discipling and, teaching especially like in these times to the disciples it was it was really great um you know depiction of this story that i that i came across
0: yeah i think that's really good and i think that there's so many connections we can make with like the rest of the scripture because in matthew we do see uh jesus not only rebuking or not only having that sort this power that we're seeing right here in mark we also see him able to walk and then we see him enabling another disciple to walk and uh It's also also significant because of how it applies to us, because people just think about how they could potentially walk on water, you know, something potentially silly like that. But um, I do think that if you think about Colossians 1, where it says Jesus is the image of the invisible God, you think of 2 Corinthians 4, I think, but I'm not positive about that one, where it says that Jesus is the image of God, and what are we all created in the image of God in Genesis 1, it's possible that if Jesus is the complete image of God in the New Testament, then it, then it could be conceived or thought that true dominion over the earth, as Adam and Eve, or as mankind was supposed to have in Genesis 1, if we had not fallen prey to sin, then we would be able to do the same thing. We would have the same dominion that the true image of God, Jesus of Nazareth, has, and so Again, that's slightly speculative because we don't, we don't fully understand or we, the text isn't exactly clear how Jesus is uh, doing this in relationship to his humanity. But I do think it's, it's entirely possible that uh, Jesus as the image of God is doing what we could have possibly done if we had not uh, sinned in the garden.
1: That's really interesting to think about, especially how the disciples you know, point out that um, they say, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? just so shows how uh jesus has like dominion over all these things the storm and and the wind and the sea and how all things obey him and you know come together um to obey him and worship him and how this points to how we should have faith in him and have faith that um you know we see it says he calls them like asks them why they're so afraid and why they they have so little faith Kind of points to, you know, Jesus has having dominion over all these things should, you know, give us even more faith that, you know, he is going to calm the storms and he is going to, you know, bring pre- peace and calm uh, to situations that we may face.
0: Yeah. And in the same and I don't have much to add to that, but in the same way that the wind and the waves or the, the physical storm that they had there, uh, Jesus has utter control over any uh, calamities or storms that that come our way, physical or otherwise. Do you have anything else?
1: No, that's all I have. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy the discussion and see you guys again uh, on Thursday for another episode. What is it about, Michael?
0: <laughs> it is... Is this,
1: uh, is this? This is an interview coming up, isn't it?
0: yes and uh andre knows i could not be more excited uh for this interview (laughs) but uh yeah thanks for joining us everyone in mark chapter four uh next week we get to see uh the legion uh group of demons run into some pigs as a couple thousand uh pigs die so that'll be really interesting join us uh, for mark chapter five thanks thanks again